Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we are here with... Michael Johnson of Syntec Smokers. All right, and this is a smoker episode. It's been a while since we've done a pit builder. I'm excited. Yeah, we've had some pit builders on in the past, but it's been a while. It's one of our favorite things to talk about because, I mean, we're nerds for everything barbecue-related in the barbecue world. And one of the one of the big advancements in craft barbecue has been the, the modern technology of pit science and, and what makes a pit efficient and what makes a pit work for a barbecue joint. And that's, uh, that's where you come in. So tell us a little bit about... But, you know, obviously you're, you've got this business now and you're, you're building smokers for some of the best in the industry, but, uh, but you're a central Texas boy born and bred. Uh, tell us about like where you grew up and, and kind of how barbecue was in your life from the early days. Sure. So, uh, I'm actually, uh, born and raised here in Luling, uh, didn't, uh, realize how fortunate I was to grow up being the barbecue here until I moved away after high school. But, uh. Typically, I mean, growing up, it's typical small town Texas, uh, an old oil-filled boom town. If some people get offended when you call it that, but that's what it is. But uh, yeah, uh, the smell of money when you come through. Louisville. That's right. It's, it's that's always, right. Always, we would always drive through on the way to Rockport from Austin, and you know that you could smell it when you were rolling through. But yeah, I uh, I like uh, every once in a while somebody will be like. Oh, the town with the watermelon? Yeah, that, that's right. Like that's so refreshing to hear that instead of oh, the town that stings. So, yeah. It's the the famous watermelon festival that happens yeah. every year in watermelon Lula. thump. That's, that's right. right. When that's when right. is that? Like July? Last full weekend in June, June. every year. So. Here we go. Um, and that you know they've got the Texas Monthly Festival coming up. Is that you know what day that is? Um, it is going to be the first weekend in. It's a whole weekend event that yeah. they're planning. Uh, first weekend in November that's going to be November. held in Lockhart. So. It's going to be an exciting time for, you know, this area of Texas. Um, but t- tell us a little bit about your early barbecue memories, you know, going sure. to these Lockhart and Luling joints. Yeah. So uh, first memory is definitely going to be a city market. Uh, man, I can remember uh, my grandpa would pick me up from school sometimes when I was, you know, second grade, first grade. And sometimes uh, we'd be fortunate enough to go by there. Now he kept it simple. He ate uh, cheese, pickles, and the sauce. But... He would always get me sausage, ribs, whatever, before he go drop me off. But, uh, man, City Market, uh, you like I said, you take it for granted when, you know, for 20 years of my life, 18 years of my life, that was kind of what I based everything on was that was all I'd ever had. So besides family get-together, stuff like that, uh, which didn't really compare to City Market. So uh, Some uh, of the best sausages in the business. I mean, just classic, simple yeah. Um, and probably like a buck and a quarter, buck and a half back then, a link. I mean, yeah. they're still cheap, but um, yeah. it was and very affordable back then. Sh- yeah. Sure. And then uh, I actually have an uncle and aunt that live in Lockhart, and I would, uh, he builds cabinets, he's a carpenter, and I would help him a lot in the summers, sometimes like summer jobs, odd, odds and ends. So I'd get, uh, I got good exposure to all the Lockhart joints too. Uh, originally it was Kreitz, but now Smitty's and Kreitz both, but yeah, it. I, I can't complain. I had a very good uh, barbecue childhood. So. What was at um, at Smitty's? Was it the same sausage and, and a rib? What, what did you get there? Um, I've been eating the same thing since I was a little kid, which uh, usually pork chop, bowl of beans, and uh, avocado. 
and then some bluebell on the way out the door. So nice. Yeah, it was great. We were we were just at Smitty's sh- shortly before coming here, and uh, saw uh, you know a little kid coming up to the counter and getting their bluebell, and yeah. it's like it's just it's fun to think of like how long that tradition has been going on for so many families. You know, we we get so wrapped up in the modern barbecue world, sure. and and it's great and we love it, but yeah, just those traditions have been passed on from generation yeah. to generation. And it's just it's really cool to walk in those places. And Definitely see it. Uh, kind of a flashback to simpler times, like not all the. Uh, window dressing and social media and all that just getting back to the roots of where everything kind of started more ice cream less tallow <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure and no no ice cream made with tallow oh yeah yes yeah that that'll be a thing i'm sure yeah. oh it already has been uh there was a, a joint that no longer is around in houston that was was doing some tallow I ice cream so. um we're going to circle back to those those brick pits mm-hmm. and and that influence but how did you move into welding and into pit building sure so uh, I actually grew up, my dad was a uh, pipeline welder whenever I was young, and then he moved into like a full-time position with the actual pipeline company uh, as a pipeline tech. He started off as a mechanic, worked his way up, but uh, just I was exposed to welding. Uh, basically, I was a bad slash rambunctious kid, so Saturdays, my mom, I got sent to work with my dad on the weekends. So generally, my weekends as a kid were spent, uh, whatever he was working on, if it was a drilling rig, swapping unit, whatever around here, because uh, he would do like on the side work, uh, I was climbing all over it like it was a jungle gym and uh, bothering him. So eventually he started trying to teach me how to weld an uh, old Lincoln stick welder to try to keep me busy whenever he was doing whatever. And uh, I wasn't very good, but he... He showed me it's how to It's hard to weld with those. That's the old cracker box? Yeah, the yeah. old cracker box. Well, he had, at that time, a SA200, like a machine on his truck. But cracker box is kind of what I started with. And he, you know, just strike the bead and all that. And back then, uh, he didn't have, like, an auto-darkening lens in his hood. So it was, like, the black hood where you had yeah. to strike it and then, you know, try to get your light from actually running a beat to provide light. So, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was uh, definitely not the best way to learn, but, you know, you learn with, I ain't going to say shitty equipment, but you kind of learn, like, uh, learning how to weld with a stick welder is definitely probably not the ideal way to teach somebody because it's very frustrating. But if you can get the hang of that, when you, later on, I started learning how to MIG weld, it was, it was easy. It was nothing to it, so. As you, as you progressed in welding, what got you into pit building? Well, so, I... I grew up knowing how to weld. I would, uh, you know, mess around with stuff whenever I wanted uh, growing up. But I never really wanted to be a welder because that's what my dad was. So it was like, ah, I know how to weld, but I didn't want to be that. So uh, I moved off. uh, I tried to go to college in San Marcos, but I kind of missed the part about going to class. I kind (laughs) of... Worried more about drinking beer and partying. I think there's so, a song that's pretty much exactly that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, there was some Taco Bell mixed in there too. So, uh, yeah, pretty much. Long story short, I ended up coming to like a crossroads. It's like, well, you know, I can't go to Texas State, so what am I going to do? And uh, I was like, well, I'll go to welding school. So I did that just to kind of have something to show for at that age, and uh, still didn't really want to be a welder, but. I, it was really easy because I already knew how to weld. Going into welding school, I walked into the class the first day, and most of the kids in there didn't know how to weld at all. And I had already held jobs welding, like junior high working in a machine shop over the summer, stuff like that. So 
it was it wasn't anything difficult. So I got done with the program and I actually ended up getting hired on with a pipeline company working at College Station. So I uh, kind of started moving into oil field, and then from there uh, I got into like the automation end of the oil field. So I spent I guess about eight years working between different oil companies doing oil like field automation for the wellheads facilities all that and uh, welded on the side but didn't really like want want to do that i enjoyed what i was doing i made really good money you know there wasn't any reason to do it and then uh, 2015 2016 oil took a took a dip and uh, i got laid off so then it was well i'm at home i'm unemployed what do i fall back on it was welding so I spent uh, two years self-employed. I was doing a lot of uh, handrails, custom I was about, gates. Did you do a lot of fence work? Yeah, a lot did of I, fence. Did you yeah. do the ones around this? No, my dad actually built that, but uh, I built a lot of entrance gates and handrails and stuff like that, a lot of work in Austin. Uh, and then eventually oil went back up. I went back to the oil field. And uh, I was actually working on a project around Brenham, and uh, I knew my boss and all of them were gone for on a Friday. They left early. So I went and got in line at Truth, and then that's kind of where it it kind of started from there. I uh, met a guy in line. I think he was from England, and uh, he he was an artist. No, he, probably not. The, uh, there are more than one. <laughs> There's person. more than one person Randall's in England. One person from England. Whoever this guy <laughs> is, he said he spends a week every year. He travels back over here just to eat barbecue, and he takes uh, he his uh, carry on. He fills it full of Rotel. Because so, you can't get that over there. So I thought that was like the coolest thing. You know what he uses that Rotel for, right? <laughs> Tater talk casserole. <laughs> anyway, um, so, it's an inside joke. Yeah. Or an outside joke. doesn't matter. Um, so, but so, so you talked to this gentleman from England. Yeah, yeah and uh, I got in to eat. And at that time, like you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, I hadn't really been exposed to anything. I had uh, come across Truth, I want to say on Instagram, maybe pictures or something of a, a platter there. And I knew I was, you know, working right down the road. So I got in there and I mean, I had like my jeans tucked in my boots, FR clothing on, like probably dirty, muddy, whatever. Went and waited in line and a uh, man just took that first bite and it just, something about it just stuck with me. And I just, from there, it kind of, I think. You know what we call that? The shockwave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've heard uh, getting bit by the barbecue bug, whatever. But yeah, whatever it was, it stuck. And then a couple of weeks later, I went to a Micklewade. And then it just kind of started going from there. And then, uh, you know, at that time, I, I couldn't tell my wife, like, hey, I want to quit my job and make barbecue or do something. So the only way to kind of get into that was, well, I knew how to weld, you know. And it just kind of progressed from there. I started, you know, looking into, at that time, uh, you know, you had, Moberg was kind of like, I guess that was kind of like his heyday. I don't know, Mill Scale. They were kind of getting started. And uh, I started just kind of following back stories, different, you know, John Lewis, what he started, also Smokeworks, Moberg, you know, Mill Scale, Franklin. And it's kind of, uh, you start doing all this, like, research on different pits and different, Pitmasters and all that, it's kind of like looking up exercise advice online. It's like <laughs> everything, you know, every, everything's contradicting. This design's better than that. So it was just kind of overwhelming, but I just kind of I started befriending uh, Brian Gonzalez of uh, Cooks with Robert Sierra, SNS Pit Crew. 
and uh, different barbecue co-op now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different barbecue co-op and different people like that, and just kind of picking their brains, what they liked, what they didn't like, and just kind of started honing in. And I spent about a year drawing stuff on paper, sending it to Brian on Instagram. He'd be like, "No, no, no, you need to, you know, try this, you know, just bouncing ideas off of different people." And uh, when we built our first prototype, it. It, it kind of all came together and it worked. And here do you we still are. have that first prototype? Ronnie Killen has it. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. He bought the the first the first pit, and it's kind of crazy how I even came came into contact with him and all that. Uh, the neighbor across the road here from my dad uh, was Ronnie's dad's childhood like best friend. So that that was kind of. The introduction Gary there. Killen's kind of a legend around this yeah. area, you know, the Gonzalez yep. area, and he did a lot of the cook-off stuff around there, and I know that uh, I know that Ronnie did a lot of that with him, mm-hmm. too. You know, so we've, we've heard some really great stories over the years yep. of, of all that, you know, that circuit of guys sure. that was cooking all around then. With, uh, you know, obviously there, there's such a, a technology and a science that goes along with designing these pits to make sure you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, maximum airflow and that they're running efficiently. You know, and one of the things that Brian and I still marvel at in this, you know, maybe you can speak to this back to your, you know, Lockhart and Luling mm-hmm. days, you know, they were cooking on brick pits. They obviously weren't using propane offsets and things like that. And I don't think they were worried about, you know, thermodynamics and things like that. But it still amazes but they knew us. It. But they yeah, knew it. Yeah, they just yeah. didn't. Yeah. They may not have known the exact terms, but sure. you walk into Smitty's and there's no smoke inside that building. No. It's no. all pulling straight through the pit, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that technology. And is that something that... You know, as you started start, you know, figuring out your designs, did did any of those early days of you know of Lockhart come into play, or did you think about any of that? So not so much Lockhart, but I will admit that there was a time like before I got into offsets, and it was kind of prior going to go into truth. I I cooked a lot at my house. I mean, I enjoyed cooking barbecue. I don't know if it tasted good, but I thought it did. But I I mean I and I was cooking on just like a small little H E B offset, nothing special. And uh, I thought the food turned out okay. So I was actually going to build a cabinet smoker for myself, like uh, Lone Star Grills or like a pit maker style. Like a vault. So yeah. Cabinet style. And uh, around that time, that's when I went back into the oil field and I never finished it. And I ended up, I think my dad ended up scrapping it because he got tired of it, <laughs> taking up a corner. And uh, then, you know, offsets came around. Uh, I think the brick pits are like Luling, Lockhart. Those things are legendary. But I... I wish I could talk to the people that made those pits and right. like kind of how they knew because, you know, however many years those places have been around, you look at it now, people are, I mean, I rack my brain thinking about how to make these pits better now, you know, and they were, they probably weren't even worried about it. They were just, you know, making a living and it worked out. So it's kind of crazy, you know, but it's an art in and, in and of itself, just like welding sure. and, and it's passed down. I mean, you can go all the way back to the Masons and, mm-hmm. and, and pyramids. I mean, th- there's that innate knowledge that they passed down and it's still, it's in those pits. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's direct connection back to that. And that's, what's great is not only how well they work, but how old they are. And, and like you said, wondering about the first ones they built, yeah. they just flow so damn well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's amazing how well they work. Uh, before we get into some of your pit designs and uh, maybe mention some other people, um, let's talk a little bit about one of our sponsors. Yeah, this is an exciting one for us. Um, as we kicked off season three here recently is, uh, we have a wonderful partnership now with Texas monthly and the Texas monthly barbecue club, which is just, it, 
guys, you need to uh, get on board this train. Brian and I both have our memberships. We're really excited about it. Uh, Brian, let it, let the listeners know a little bit about what they're going to get with the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. So the first thing right off the bat, go to texasmonthly.com, register, sign up, join the club, and you'll get a welcome kit. And in that kit includes the Barbecue Freak hat, collectible apron uh, with a patch on it, a sticker. Yeah, you also need to be signing up for their Facebook group because every other Friday they're giving away things in their Facebook group. So you need to you know, participate in that. It's a great, I mean, we all love the barbecue community. Um, it's, you know, a place for all of us to come together for our shared love of barbecue. And Texas Monthly is expanding that even more for all of us. Yeah, another thing um, I just saw the other day, exclusive downloadable recipes. So you'll get some of the uh, inside recipes from some of the barbecue joints around Texas. Yeah, and, and the exclusive content that's on the, the Texas Monthly website is, you know, some in-depth videos and in-depth interviews with different pitmasters and, you know, the burning questions articles that they do. So you can find out, you know, even more about these joints that we've all come to know and love. And it's just, it's a great way to immerse yourself even more in the barbecue world, which is what we're all about. And, uh, you know, really excited to to join up with Texas Monthly and, and offer you guys, you know, some more information about the barbecue club. If you're not aware, it's a great value. You get a really great opportunity to, uh, to learn more about barbecue, to get some really great merchandise and to win some really cool stuff. Some things very unique to that club only. That's the Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. Go to texasmonthly.com and sign up. All right, jumping back into it. So as you know, as you start to make this prototype pit, you know, did you have intentions right away of like, I'm going to start trying to, to sell this like these, you know, like all these other pit builders are doing? Or what was your what were your goals or aspirations at the time? So at the time when I was like kind of trying to get the ball rolling, I still had my job uh, in the oil field. And uh, we started building the prototype, uh, the thousand gallon, and I didn't even really have anybody to buy it, like a purchaser. But at that time, I didn't really care because it was kind of a hobby. Like if I would have known this is going to be even what it is now, I would have definitely chose a way cooler name than Syntex Smokers. But <laughs> it, uh, you know, we started building it, and I pretty much. Uh, my, my wife thought I was crazy. My dad thought I was crazy because I was telling him about these pits and these waiting lists of these other guys and what people were paying and just everything going on. And they just thought I was crazy. They thought maybe I'd build this first one, maybe two of them, and then that would kind of just be it. Like, you know, it wouldn't be anything. And, uh, you know, kind of the way I, I stumbled into Ronnie, you know, um, Mr. McGinty here across the road mentioned maybe reaching out to him. And I had been kind of like almost cold calling people on Instagram. I could send them pictures of the pit and I was offering them, you know, at a discount. Hey, if you don't like it, I'll buy it back. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not trying to make money. I'm just trying to get my name out there, get started. And uh, when I reached out to Ronnie, he like, no questions asked. Yeah, I'll take one. Like, I'll take a chance, take a chance on you. And man, it, it worked out. And uh you know, I, I had never cooked on a thousand gallon. I had never, you know, done fire management in a thousand gallon. And we built that pit and we slid it outside. I put a fire in it, you know, let the coal bed kind of get established. I weighed, I don't know, I built a pretty good fire in it, weighed about an hour and then kind of started messing with the dampers. And within 30 minutes I had, you know, good even temps all the way across. And I was like, okay, like, I think we're good, you know. I let Brian come out, had other people, uh, Robert Sierra came by. He, that was kind of like when we were getting started. Uh, he introduced, uh, Brian introduced me to Ernest. Like, so I was kind of, uh, getting feedback from people without selling or them knowing me, me knowing them. 
but uh man it just kind of worked out it's kind of crazy and then long story short i ended up getting uh, laid off april of 2019 uh covid and then also uh, there was a day where oil prices actually went like negative i remember that yeah yeah i kind of knew like man i'm probably gonna get laid off and they you know six months whatever and it wasn't a couple weeks later i got laid off and uh i i was a little bit older better prepared at this time for this oil field layoff i had my money saved and all that so i was able to kind of sit around and go on vacation and kind of get this pit thing going and you know luckily i have a really great wife that got behind me even though she thought i was crazy (laughs) and uh you know it worked out uh ronnie buying that first pit was like you know it was the greatest thing ever people still my dad still was like ah a little unsure i think my wife was too and then uh when big mo came which he was our second customer uh i remember my dad kind of like stroking his chin being two, like two very big names yeah. in, in the business <laughs> yeah and, and he didn't know either one of them uh you know, he was kind of stroking his chin, and he's like, ah, I think you might have got yourself into something. <laughs> and uh, Mo posted a picture out here on the on the shop awning, and I had, like, five orders come in in four hours. <laughs> like, it was just like boom, boom. And then, you know, from there it was, you know, I had already jumped in the deep end of the pool, so it was, you know, kind of a sink or swim kind of deal. So, so one of the things that I'd like to talk about, very unique to your pits, is your, you mentioned dampers earlier, is your firebox damper. Um, to me, it's reminiscent of like an automobile uh, intake, um, even like an intake manifold. But it's it, we'll we'll show some pictures of it. But like, how did you come up with that? Why? Um, it, it's very ornate, but sure. it also looks very functional as well. Yeah. So it was something I kind of already had in the back of my head uh, from conversations I had had with people that had pits. You know, everybody kind of used that was kind of the standard. You use the door as your damper. You know, crack the door. Uh, different people just kind of mentioned, oh, you know, it would be uh, cool to have a damper, you know, just something different. And uh, that was kind of something that just kind of stuck. I kept thinking about it, thinking about it. And uh, we actually, so the door we use now, we actually built a prototype door that's completely different. It was the first one and it was all metal on metal. uh, And I think my dad, I don't even think it ever even saw a fire. And we were just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And that's where kind of my background and my dad's background too. Both of us growing up working in machine shops, everything on our firebox door now is all machine surfaces, uh, everything bolts or unbolts. So you're able to, a lot of functionality in there. If something's wrong, you could take it all apart and fix it, replace it. And uh, the damper, uh, I think... I think it uh, definitely makes a difference. All of our customers seem to to really like it, especially like cold smoking sausage, stuff like that. When you're trying to kind of get your temperature down, barely just kind of trickle in. Uh, it's yeah. infinitely adjustable. Yes. So you can you can dial it in exactly yes. where you want it. And, this, and the same thing with the stack. Yeah, one thing I, I you know that struck me as I was looking into some of the pits you've built and who you've built for is, and I think this speaks to, you know how people feel about your pits there's a couple of pretty fanatical pit masters that have bought pits from you Ernest Cervantes is maniacally particular about quality and every single little detail being right and uh, another one is Dane Weaver who is just obsessive about making it as perfect as he possibly can 
Um, so much so that he sleeps like four hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dane. Um, but, but to me, you know, when obsessive pitmasters like that find quality in what you're doing, then then you clearly are onto something. Um, one of the pits, one of the more unique pits I think you built is the one you built for Ernest. You know, we saw it the first time we went to Burt Bean, and we're like, this thing is like a work of art. Tell us a little bit about that direct heat pit. So Ernest came to me with that. Uh, I, me and him were having a conversation. I was kind of telling him that I, you know, I had plans on doing stuff besides offsets, and he mentioned, well, maybe you should build, you know, a box cooker for me. And I knew about those. Uh, I have some family from down like Wharton County, Howlettsville, down in that part of the country. And uh, direct heat is kind of still how they barbecue down there. And uh, Howlettsville is probably like dead center of yeah. pork state That's country. pork state yeah. country. Oh, yep. oh, you don't have to tell us. We love <laughs> Howlettsville. Don't so tell much. anybody. <laughs> save it for us. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, he kind of, uh, he just told me, hey, you know, man, it, if it's going in my pit room, it's got to look badass. You, you know what I like, you know? And, uh, I asked him, you know, can I, can I get it pinstriped? And he was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. I was like, come on, just let me do my thing. He was like, all right. So, and it, it ended up working out and, uh, he definitely, uh, they put some good stuff off of that thing. Yeah. And it, it goes back to that. To me, it, it, it's kind of that, uh, connection to hot rods i mean mm-hmm. just like like i said just like sure. that that front damper that pinstriping on that direct heat just looks so freaking cool um it, you know the other thing we noticed is of course uh, zerk fittings uh for the bearings for the doors and and whatnot and really well balanced um offsets there anything else about the pits that you want to tell us about kind of that as your unique spin on it uh i mean it, it i i kind of think uh there's so many people out here doing this at like such a high level. Uh, I definitely think mine's unique from a visual standpoint, but I think uh, stuff like the dampers, I do a built-in damper in the stack, which most other people don't. They do the one up on the top. Uh, my pit, I kind of built everything in mine. Uh, when I was coming up with the design, I bounced ideas off of pit masters. Like, what do you need? You know, counterweights, I want dampers, all that. So everything's built with functionality in mind and uh, ease. Like if something's wrong, it's adjustable. It's not, I have to, you have to bring it back to me. I have to go to you, uh, stuff like that. It's just trying to build as solid of a piece of equipment as we can that's going to make the pitmaster's life as easy as possible. Speaking of functionality and those counterweights, Brian almost shed a tear when uh, when he was opening that pit door earlier, and the uh, the balance on those counterweights. So yeah, the the attention to detail is definitely there in the pits that you're building. Um, talk a little bit about what what kind of do you specialize in? Do trailers on skids? Do you do it all? And you know, as far as anyone that's looking for you know for pits for you, what are the options? I will build anything you're willing to pay for. In, in a nice way but i mean uh offsets are kind of our bread and butter that's kind of what got us started uh depending on restaurant or individual uh i mean we do do trailers i think some pretty nice ones uh everything's custom built to each pit uh, skids uh i like building them on skids because i don't really care for building trailers <laughs> but like i said I'll, I'll build whatever you're willing to pay for and, so. and i think that's another important piece these are these are Trailers built specifically for the pits. It's sure. not just a pit thrown onto a, a no, flatbed no. trailer. Yeah. No, uh, there's no like pattern or assembly line or every, everyone's different. Every, you know, everything's built to each individual pit. And let's talk about um, wait list. I mean, we're early 2022 right now. When we're recording this. It, obviously, 
things are dynamic, uh, but what is your wait list currently? So currently it's about uh, 12 to 14 months. You hear that, folks? So early 2023 if you uh, sign up pretty soon. Yeah, get on it now. But obviously, you know, wait lists, wait lists and everything are subject to change as, as everybody's getting busier. I mean, every time we turn around, there are more barbecue joints opening up all around Texas and outside of Texas. Tell us a little bit. You've got some uh, some pretty uh, out-of-town shipping going on on some of these pits. So who are some yeah. of your recent orders or where are some of your recent orders going? So uh, recently, uh, let's see, last year we finished up with uh, Danes and Brian Bingham and uh, Brotherton and Butters was also in there at the beginning of those. And then this year, uh, I have two 500s getting ready to leave. One's going up close to uh, Vancouver and the other one's going to Guam. And then uh, I'm starting a thousand next week and it's actually going to uh, Cutter in the Middle East. Wow. So that. I mean, it's, it speaks to where Texas barbecue yeah, really is yeah. going. I mean, I mean it's I've amazing. seen multiple. Pitmaster shipping off to the Middle East, and yeah. um, it's oh, been a while since we I spoke did, with a gentleman sure. from Finland a couple of weeks ago yeah. who's who's taken a couple That's of months off. That's not the off. Middle East, though. No, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's not the Middle East. But but yes, we, we spoke with a gentleman from Finland a few a few weeks ago who's you know taking a little time off from his restaurant and learning some more about Texas barbecue down here, and then going to go back. And you know, it's it's crazy. Just everywhere you look, there's there's Texas barbecue being you know being indoctrinated into a whole new you know whole new country a whole new area that may not be familiar with it but it's i mean obviously it's a great revenue stream for everybody for different people in the barbecue world to possibly go cook at other places which you know some have done and then for pit builders to to be shipping pits yeah. everywhere i mean it's pretty crazy if shipping costs would go down a little bit it would help as far as being able to get these things out because that's kind of a the thing i was most shocked about is finding out to some like i think new zealand was one the price to ship a pit from here to there is almost more than what they'll pay for the pit. Right. It's right. pretty, that's a hard pill to swallow. And, and the timing for it. Sure. I, I deal with international logistics now as part of my job and it's, it's, it's extending a month, even longer mm -hmm. sometimes. So that, that also you've already got the weight, then you've got the ship and, and sure. obviously, but there's the demand for it, which yep. is good. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so many great pit builders that have come up over the last several years. And the, every, the great thing is everyone does something a little differently, mm -hmm. you know, so you really can get something customized to your liking, you know, whether it's, you know, just the appearance of the pit or the functionality, you know, like I said, the, the dampers that you've put in is a really cool and unique feature. Um, the, you know, the draw that you get in your pits, you know, we've heard nothing but positive things about, you know, about the people that have cooked on your pits. Uh, another one that we didn't mention is acre barbecue up in Fredericksburg is cooking on your pits. Another, uh, Texas monthly top 50 barbecue joint, you know, so there, and I know there's a couple others on the way that are, sure. that are still on the list. So it's, a uh, it's an exciting time to, uh, to be a pit builder in Texas. And, uh, we're, we're excited to see where it goes from here. Um, we hope to see some, you know, some really cool, unique things from you. Some more direct heat from you too. Yes, yes. Just because yeah, we're selfish. More of that coming for sure. <laughs> All right. So tell us how people can uh, get a hold of you. Sure. So the best way is uh, social media is usually the fastest way. Uh, Instagram or Facebook. It's Syntex Smokers, or uh, you can send us an email at Syntex Smokers at Gmail dot com. There you go. So. Get your orders in, you know, take take a look and see, you know, what, what they've done in the past and what they can do for you. And if uh, if you've got, you know, if you've got the money, they will build it. Yes, yes. And we'll show some pictures of some of their, their yes. products. And, of course, the, the, the companies that were mentioned, some of the barbecue joints, go check them out. Um, but let's go take a look at the pits here. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. A huge thank you to Centex Smokers for being our guest on this episode. And remember, guys, check out Texas Monthly Barbecue Club. 
If you go to the link in our show notes to sign up for the Barbecue Club, you get a 25% off discount on your first year. Again, that's a 25% off on this great Barbecue Club from Texas Monthly, so sign up and get all of your barbecue content.